Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. It's like he was just putting the pieces together for me in such a way that just was simple but powerful. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is God's truth right here. It wasn't always what I, what I wanted to hear, but I knew it was the truth, and I always wanted the truth. And now, here's Andrew. Hello and welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm going to continue teaching on a subject that I started two weeks ago. This is my third week of teaching on more grace, more favor. This is a brand new book that I have out. Also, I have CDs and DVDs on this subject. And if you request either the book, the CDs, or the DVDs, we also have a bonus offer, this little book entitled Self-Centeredness, The Source of All Grief. This is something that we've given out tens of thousands of these, and uh, it's really powerful. And for anybody who gets either the book, the CDs, or the DVDs, we are going to give you uh, this as a bonus gift. We also have it in Spanish here, and that is a powerful teaching. This teaching on self-centeredness is included in my teaching on more grace, more favor, but it's not expounded on as much as in this little book. So I'd encourage you to get those products. They would really bless you. There's no way that I can go back and summarize the first two weeks that I've already taught. I've I've covered a lot of material. But let me just go back to a scripture that I've been using in James chapter 4, also 1 Peter chapter 5. These are basically the same scriptures. Peter and James both say the same thing. But here in James chapter 4, And in verse 5, it says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? This isn't talking about our spirit lusting the envy. This is talking about the Holy Spirit who dwells within us lusting the envy. The word lust throws people off because we today use the word lust only to describe some illicit, ungodly emotion. But the word lust is just talking about a strong, powerful emotion, and we use it nearly exclusively to describe some kind of a sexual, immoral thing. But it says in Galatians chapter 5 that the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, lust against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit. This isn't talking about the Holy Spirit having some illicit sexual desire. This is talking about that the Holy Spirit is jealous over us. And matter of fact, it quotes an Old Testament scripture saying, do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth within us lusteth envy? The only scriptures you can find that this is referring to is where it talks about our God is a jealous God. So this is saying, don't be friends with the world. That's like having adultery with the world. God is jealous over us. God wants us to be separated unto Him. But then in the next verse, it says, but He giveth more grace. Even though God is jealous and wants us to be separated unto Him, none of us do it perfectly. We all fall short in this area, and God is gracious. God gives us more grace. And look at the rest of this. It says, wherefore, He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know, let me turn over and use another passage of Scripture. When I start talking about um, more grace, there's a lot of people that think, now, wait a minute. Grace is unmerited, unearned, undeserved, unlimited favor. Once you have grace, you've got all that there is. But this Scripture in James chapter 4 says that He gives more grace. And here in Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says uh, that Jesus increased 
IN WISDOM AND IN STATURE AND IN FAVOR WITH GOD AND MAN. NOW THINK ABOUT THIS. JESUS WAS SINLESS. JESUS WAS GOD AT HIS BIRTH. YOU KNOW, THE ANGEL SANG TO THE SHEPHERDS AND SAYS, COME SEE CHRIST, THE LORD. JESUS DIDN'T GROW INTO BECOMING GOD. HE WAS LORD AT HIS BIRTH. HE WAS GOD MANIFEST IN THE FLESH. HE WAS SINLESS, AND YET HE INCREASED IN WISDOM AND IN STATURE. WE CAN UNDERSTAND THAT. YOU KNOW, HE WAS BORN A BABY, AND HE HAD TO GROW INTO A MAN. HE DIDN'T COME OUT OF THE WOMB SPEAKING HEBREW. HE HADN'T LEARNED TO SPEAK HEBREW. HE HADN'T LEARNED TO WALK AND TO FEED HIMSELF AND TO DO THINGS THAT ALL OF US DO. AND IT SAYS THAT HE ALSO INCREASED IN WISDOM AND IN STATURE AND IN FAVOR WITH GOD AND MAN. DID YOU KNOW JESUS GOT MORE FAVOR FROM GOD AS HE GREW AND AS HE YIELDED AND AS HE SUBMITTED? SO IF JESUS COULD INCREASE IN FAVOR WITH GOD, WELL, THEN YOU AND I CAN INCREASE IN GRACE, WHICH PRODUCES FAVOR. AND IT SAYS THAT GOD RESISTS THE PROUD, BUT HE GIVES GRACE UNTO THE HUMBLE. SO THIS IS WHAT WE'VE BEEN TALKING ABOUT FOR TWO WEEKS, IS THAT THE KEY TO MORE GRACE AND THEREFORE MORE FAVOR IS ACTUALLY HUMILITY. THE WAY UP IN GOD'S KINGDOM IS DOWN. AND I'VE BEEN DEFINING HUMILITY. I'VE USED A LOT OF THINGS. AGAIN, I HAVEN'T GOT TIME TO GO BACK THROUGH ALL OF THIS, BUT MOST PEOPLE THINK HUMILITY IS WEAKNESS. THEY THINK THAT IT'S uh, BEATING YOURSELF DOWN, LOW SELF-ESTEEM. MANY PEOPLE EQUATE ALL OF THAT WITH HUMILITY, AND THAT'S NOT TRUE. MOSES WAS THE MEEKEST MAN ON THE FACE OF THE EARTH, NUMBERS CHAPTER 12, VERSE 3, AND YET MOSES IS THE PERSON WHO WROTE THAT. MOSES SAID, I AM THE MEEKEST PERSON ON THE PLANET BECAUSE HE WAS INSPIRED BY GOD TO SAY IT. IF HE HAD... IF HE HAD HAVE SAID, WELL, WHAT DO PEOPLE THINK ABOUT ME? I CAN'T WRITE THIS. THEN YOU KNOW WHAT THAT WOULD HAVE BEEN? PRIDE. PRIDE IS JUST YOU EXALTING YOUR OWN OPINION OR WORRYING ABOUT WHAT OTHER PEOPLE HAVE TO THINK ABOUT YOU AND STUFF LIKE THIS. IT'S NOT ONLY ARROGANCE. IT'S ALSO LOW SELF-ESTEEM. TIMIDITY IS PRIDE. Uh, AND I'VE USED THIS BEFORE, BUT JUST IN SUMMARY, P-R-I-D-E, THE CENTER LETTER IN THAT IS I. PRIDE IS SELF-CENTEREDNESS. AND LAST WEEK I ENDED BY TEACHING ON THIS RIGHT HERE, SELF-CENTEREDNESS, THE SOURCE OF ALL GRIEF. PROVERBS CHAPTER 13, VERSE 10, ONLY BY PRIDE COMES CONTENTION. LET ME USE ANOTHER PASSAGE OF SCRIPTURE OVER HERE IN PSALMS CHAPTER 10. AND I WISH I HAD TIME TO GO THROUGH THIS WHOLE PSALM BECAUSE THIS WHOLE PSALM IS TALKING ABOUT HUMBLING YOURSELF BEFORE GOD AND SEEKING GOD. BUT IN PSALMS CHAPTER 10, VERSE 1, IT SAYS, WHY STANDEST THOU FAR OFF, O LORD? WHY HIDEST THOU THYSELF IN TIMES OF TROUBLE. YOU KNOW, IF YOU'D BE HONEST, THERE HAVE BEEN TIMES THAT EVERY ONE OF US HAVE PRAYED, AND IT SEEMS LIKE OUR PRAYERS AREN'T BEING ANSWERED. IT SEEMS LIKE THINGS AREN'T WORKING OUT FOR US. AND WE'VE HAD A QUESTION LIKE THIS. WHY, O LORD, HAVEN'T YOU ANSWERED MY PRAYER? HOW COME YOU HAVEN'T uh, MOVED AND CHANGED THESE CIRCUMSTANCES? AND THEN THE REST OF THIS CHAPTER BASICALLY BEGINS TO START SAYING IT'S BECAUSE PEOPLE HAVE NOT SUBMITTED THEMSELVES UNTO GOD. ONE OF THE POINTS THAT I'VE BEEN MAKING IS THAT THE TRUE TEST OF HUMILITY ISN'T HAVING LOW SELF-ESTEEM, BEING BEAT DOWN, uh, INFERIORITY-MINDED AND THINGS LIKE THIS. IT IS OBEDIENCE TO GOD. IT'S EXALTING GOD'S OPINION AND GOD'S WAYS 
above your own ways. That's probably the most distinguishing characteristic of humility is obedience. And boy, that's a dirty word to a lot of people, especially people who have understood grace because they know that God doesn't love us based on our performance. And so they just throw performance to the side and think it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I live. And as far as God loving you, it's true that God's love for you is not conditional upon your performance. God loves you because He is love and not because you are lovely. All of that's true. But if you receive that love and that grace, man, it should, if you have a true revelation of how much God loves you, it should cause you to humble yourself and to put God first place in your life to exalt His wisdom his ways above your own ways, and it ought to make you want to obey God more than you ever have before. Did you know I know that God loves me and that God uses me in spite of who I am and not because of who I am. But does that make me want to go out and say, well, I can have a mistress on the side. I can steal money. I can lie. I can cheat. I can do things like this. And the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, Romans eleven twenty nine. So God by grace is going to use me. Did you know that there are examples of people who God has used with terrible sin in their life? I'm not going to name names, but I could go back to some of the people like in the Pentecostal movement that had great crowds and saw great miracles and yet had problems with alcohol, had problems with, uh, you know, having extramarital affairs and on and on, and God still used them. Some people can't see that. They think, no, God would never use anybody who's got a sin in their life. <laughs> well, I tell you what, God's never had anybody qualified working for Him yet. God has given gifts unto man. And again, Romans eleven twenty nine says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I can understand God using people who are not living a perfect life because I don't live a perfect life. I haven't gone out and done the big 10. I haven't done the things that most people consider are the terrible sins. But you know, it says in James chapter 2, verse 10, if you keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, you become guilty of all. I haven't committed adultery. I hadn't stolen money. I don't lie and steal and do things like that. But I can guarantee you, I don't love people the way that God loves me, which is a command. Uh, John chapter 13, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new command that you love others as I have loved you. I don't always turn the other cheek. I don't always seek God the way that I should. And so even though I haven't done some of these sins that other people do, the ones that, you know, uh, people say are the cardinal sins, I still don't deserve God moving in my life. So I can understand that God uses me in spite of who I am, not because of who I am. And I could understand God not taking back a gift that He's given somebody just because they're living in sin because He loves the people they minister to and that gift will still function. So I can see that it has happened. I could name names and give you specific examples. But I can say this, that if a person isn't obeying God, that they really haven't understood the grace of God. Again, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. I've already used this verse, but it says, The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men. But then verse 12 says that that grace teaches us 
TO DENY UNGODLINESS AND WORLDLY LUST AND THAT WE SHOULD LIVE SOBERLY AND RIGHTEOUS IN THIS PRESENT WORLD. IF YOU TRULY UNDERSTAND THE GRACE OF GOD, THE GRACE OF GOD DOESN'T FREE YOU TO SIN. IT FREES YOU FROM THE GUILT AND THE PENALTY AND THE SEPARATION THAT SIN CAUSED. SO IT SETS YOU FREE WHEN YOU BLOW IT AND KEEPS YOU FROM BEING SEPARATED FROM GOD AND YOU RUN TO GOD INSTEAD OF AWAY FROM GOD. BUT IF YOU TRULY RECEIVE GRACE, IT TEACHES YOU TO LIVE A GODLY LIFE. AND PEOPLE WHO ARE SAYING THAT THEY HAVE A REVELATION OF GRACE AND YET THEY ARE OUT HERE JUST SINNING AGAINST GOD. AND I MEAN VIOLATING THE STANDARDS. AND THEN WHEN THEY GET CAUGHT, THEY SAY, WELL, GOD USES ME BY GRACE ANYWAY. GOD LOVES ME. AND WELL, IT IS TRUE THAT GOD LOVES YOU, BUT YOU DON'T TRULY LOVE GOD. Now, THOSE ARE STRONG STATEMENTS, AND I KNOW THAT I'LL RECEIVE SOME CRITICISM. IT PROBABLY SHOULD BE EXPLAINED MORE THAN WHAT I'M DOING RIGHT HERE, BUT I'M JUST SAYING THAT HUMILITY IS NOT WEAKNESS. IT DOESN'T JUST uh, MEAN THAT YOU SIT THERE AND INDULGE ALL OF THESE THINGS. IF YOU TRULY HAVE A REVELATION OF GOD'S GRACE, IT CAUSES YOU TO LIVE HOLY. YOU KNOW, LET ME TURN OVER. I'M NOT SURE THAT I CAN QUOTE THE EXACT PLACE THAT THIS IS, BUT I NEED TO GIVE YOU THE REFERENCE. ROMANS CHAPTER 6 AND VERSE 14, IT SAYS, FOR SIN SHALL NOT HAVE DOMINION OVER YOU, FOR YOU ARE NOT UNDER THE LAW, BUT UNDER GRACE. NOW THIS IS SAYING THAT SIN WON'T DOMINATE YOU. SIN WILL NOT WIN IN YOUR LIFE. SIN WILL NOT BE THE CHARACTERISTIC OF YOUR LIFE. WHY? BECAUSE YOU ARE NOT UNDER THE LAW, BUT UNDER GRACE. IF I HAD TIME, I COULD GO AND TEACH ON THIS. AS A MATTER OF FACT, I'VE GOT A SERIES, AND uh, I'VE GOT A LOT OF SERIES THAT DEAL WITH THIS POINT ABOUT HOW THAT THE LAW ACTUALLY MAKES PEOPLE SIN. MOST PEOPLE THINK, NO, IT'S JUST THE OPPOSITE. THE LAW IS SO STRICT, IT MAKES YOU NOT SIN. WELL, IT PUTS FEAR IN YOU OF SIN, AND THAT'S TRUE. BUT IT ALSO SAYS OVER IN 1 CORINTHIANS CHAPTER 15, VERSE 56, THAT THE STRENGTH OF SIN IS THE LAW. THE LAW STRENGTHENS SIN. IT SAYS IN ROMANS CHAPTER 7 that, the, THAT SIN CAME ALIVE BY THE LAW. AND THE THING THAT WAS ORDAINED UNTO LIFE, TALKING ABOUT LAW, ACTUALLY CAUSED DEATH IN ME, AND IT WROUGHT IN ME ALL MANNER OF CONCUPISCENCE. THAT MEANS UNCONTROLLED, UNRESTRAINED DESIRE OR LUST. THE LAW ACTUALLY STRENGTHENS SIN. SO A PERSON WHO IS LIVING UNDER THESE RULES AND REGULATIONS, THEY MAY HAVE A FEAR OF PUNISHMENT. THEY MAY LIVE A LIFE OF GUILT AND CONDEMNATION, BUT THEY ACTUALLY WILL BE BOUND BY SIN. THE GRACE DOESN'T SET YOU FREE TO SIN. IT SETS YOU FREE FROM SIN. AND GRACE IS WHAT CAUSES SIN NOT TO HAVE DOMINION OVER YOU. ANYWAY, LET ME GET BACK TO PSALMS CHAPTER 10, THE VERY FIRST VERSE. WHY STANDEST THOU FAR OFF, O LORD? WHY HIDEST THOU THYSELF IN TIMES OF TROUBLE? AND THEN IN VERSE 2, IT BEGINS TO GIVE YOU THE ANSWER. IT SAYS, THE WICKED IN HIS PRIDE DOTH PERSECUTE THE POOR. LET THEM BE TAKEN IN THE DEVICES THAT THEY HAVE IMAGINED. SO IT STARTS TALKING ABOUT A WICKED MAN OPERATING IN PRIDE AND OPPRESSING PEOPLE. IN VERSE 3, THE WICKED BOASTETH OF HIS HEART'S DESIRE AND BLESSETH THE COVETOUSNESS WHOM THE LORD ABHORRETH. AGAIN, IT'S TALKING ABOUT WHY IS IT THAT WE DON'T SEE THE POWER OF GOD? WHY DOES IT SEEM LIKE GOD IS FAR OFF AND NOT ANSWERING OUR PRAYERS? IT'S BECAUSE OF PRIDE AND THE OPPRESSION THAT WE HAVE OF PEOPLE. YOU KNOW, I COULD, I could UNPLUG RIGHT HERE. I'M JUST WANTING TO MOVE ON. 
But these are so important things that I'm saying, and they apply to us today. We see these riots, and we see these protests, and we see people doing things. And this right here says that it is through the pride that they persecute the poor. Now, this isn't talking about only financially poor, but it's just people who are different than you. You know, the only reason for prejudice is pride. You somehow or another thinking that you're better than everybody else and you look down on a person because they don't have the same amount of money or the same amount of education or the or the same, a same color of skin or something like that. It's all pride that does this. A person thinking that somehow or another they're better than other people. And it says that they boast of their heart's desire and bless the covetous. Covetous here is talking about people who are constantly just wanting things for themselves. They're like a vacuum cleaner that's always just sucking towards themselves. They never give out. They're always pulling. They're covetous. They're wanting things for themselves. And it says that the Lord abhors the covetous, people who are only thinking about themselves, people who are always promoting themselves and taking advantage of other people for their own selfish advantage. Matter of fact, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says, covetousness is idolatry. Most people today would say, I'm not an idolater. They don't have a statue. They don't bow down and worship it. But did you know covetousness is idolatry? When you are only thinking about yourself, when, when your whole Life is focused on get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on your can. God hates that attitude. The reason we should prosper, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that is good that he might have to give to him that needs. The reason you work isn't to pay your bills. The reason you work is so that you can have to give unto others. Amen. I know some of you are thinking, this is crazy. You can't live this way. That's the way I'm living. That's the way that a lot of people are living. That's the way that God wants us to live. And it says over in Matthew chapter 6 that if we would seek first the kingdom of God, if you would use your talents to be a blessing to people, to help other people, and then when you get paid for the things that you've done, you take a portion of that and you give and you live so that you can give to him that needs. That's putting God first. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will be added unto you. The things that are spoken about there in Matthew chapter 6 are what you eat, where you sleep, where you're clothed. See, most people, their focus is on them. That's what really the Bible is calling covetousness. It's all about you. Get out all you can. Can all you get. Sit on your can. Take care of yourself. And if you got a raise, instead of you using that to be a blessing to other people, you're just going to increase your lifestyle. Get a nicer car, a bigger house, on and on. It just is never ending. It's like a drug addiction. You never get satisfied. If you were to win the lottery... You know, some of you live in nice houses and what you've got is great. And if you were to win the lottery and get $10 million, you would go max it out. You wouldn't buy something and be debt free. You would get a $20 million house and use that so that you could just max it out. It's all about you. That's covetousness. And anyway, I've got to get back to Psalms chapter 10. Here's the verse that I was headed for after it talks about the pride is the reason they persecute other people. They boast in their heart's desire, their covetousness. God hates it. In verse 4, it says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. 
God is not in all of His thoughts. There's a lot in this verse. First of all, let me point out that if God is not in all of your thoughts, all of your thoughts, all of your thoughts, most Christians don't even think this is possible. They don't have this as a goal. They have their spiritual life. They have their devotion where they spend 15 or 20 minutes seeking the Lord and then the rest of the day they could be listening to music that is totally ungodly. They could watch things. They can read novels. They can listen to news. They can do things that are completely contrary to God, watch X-rated movies, and that's their personal time. They gave their little devotion to the Lord. It says here that you're wicked if God is not in all of your thoughts. The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. That's not talking about you visit there, you have a devotion there. No, you live there. The just live by faith. They don't visit there. This is not a vacation that they take once a week for an hour and go to church and they, they live by faith then. No, you dwell there. This is where you live. It says it's wicked for God not to be in all of your thoughts. It's wicked if you aren't seeking after God. And notice why all that happens. It says the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. Did you know that pride, again, most people think pride is just arrogance, thinking you're better than everybody else, puffing yourself up. Pride is not seeking God. If you aren't seeking God, if God isn't first in your life, you're a proud person. And again, you might think, well, I'm not arrogant. No, but you're self-centered. P-R-I-D-E. I is the center of everything. It's all about you. It's all about taking care of yourself. It's all about promoting yourself and forget the rest of the world. You know how many prideful people it takes to screw in a light bulb? Just one. Because you just stand there and hold it and the whole world revolves around you. That's what pride is. And I'm telling you, this is where most people live. And if you go on and read the rest of Psalms chapter 10, I'm not going to take time today to do that. It just keeps reinforcing this. And it goes down to verse 17. It says, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. Man, God hears those that are humble. Or going back to the verse that we've used throughout this entire teaching, James chapter 4, verse 6, God gives more grace. Wherefore, He says, He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. If you want more grace and more favor, you need to humble yourself. And again, this doesn't mean beat yourself down, have low self-esteem. It means that you need to seek God that you need to put God in all of your thoughts. You need to obey God. You need to submit to Him and exalt His wisdom above your own. I'm out of time today, but I'm going to continue to teach on more grace, more favor. I have this brand new book, CDs and DVDs, and if you request any of these materials, then you can ask for self-centeredness, the source of all grief. And this little pamphlet or booklet We'll zero in on just one thing, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. It'll be a blessing. So listen to our announcer as he gives you the information, and please call or write today. Andrew's teaching, More Grace, More Favor, is available as a brand new book or as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. 
Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Or you can get the More Grace, More Favor package, which includes the book and your choice of either the CD or DVD album. This package has a catalog value of $50, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for just $35. Also today, Andrew has a bonus offer. You can request the Self-Centeredness, The Source of All Grief booklet for free when you order either the book, CD, or DVD album from Andrew's new teaching, More Grace, More Favor. The free booklet is limited to one free per household and is only available in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. Many of you know that we have built a 1,022-space parking garage to accommodate all of our people that come to our facilities in Woodland Park. And it was at a $23 million cost and we are trying to get that paid off as quickly as we can. Though I felt like the Lord spoke to me about encouraging 23,000 people to give a $1,000 offering, either a one-time gift or pledged out over a period of 10 months, $100 per month. If you would like to be a part of that, I encourage you to call or write, go to our website and join our 1K Club. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of September, join Andrew in Woodland Park for the Identity in Christ Conference with guest speaker, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. Then Andrew will be speaking in Woodbridge, Virginia at the Voice of the Apostles event. In October, Andrew will be speaking in Colorado Springs. Next, come join Andrew in Woodland Park for our annual Minister's Conference. Then he'll be speaking in Budapest, Hungary for a Grace and Faith Conference. Also in October, Andrew will be hosting the Andrew Womack Ministries European Minister's Conference in Walsall, England. Guest speakers at this event are Paul Milligan, Billy Epperhart, and Bob Yandian. Lastly, in October, Andrew will be hosting a Grace and Faith Conference in Wienendal, Netherlands. And in November, come to Woodland Park for the annual Women Arise Conference. Speakers at this event include Tracy Asia, Karen Conrad, Sue Nutman, and Audrey Mack. Please note, Andrew will not be speaking at this event. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Hello, I'm here with Richard Harris, who is the Chief Counsel for our Truth and Liberty. This is a 501c4, a political arm 
of Andrew Womack Ministry where we're getting involved in changing our culture. And we just wanted to take this opportunity to encourage you to get out and vote. It's not just a privilege, it's a responsibility. And on our Truth and Liberty website has a lot of information there that could really help them. Amen. So go to our website, truthandliberty.net, and under the Resources tab, you'll find Voting Resources. And there you can register to vote, find voter guides, you can find out who your representatives are, and lots of other helpful information. And how they voted and yeah. stuff, so you don't have to listen to their rhetoric. That's you right. can judge them based on what they've done. That's right. But most importantly of all, take your responsibility to get out and vote in the primaries, in the general election. So check it out, truthandliberty.net, and get out and vote.